I have been noticing that uh, prices on things are all over the place. Uh, There's talk of inflation, and we see those prices uh, going up on some things, but not on everything. And sometimes uh, Teresa and I will talk about it, and we'll say, well, we were going to buy those things, uh, but it seems ridiculously priced, and so do we really need milk and eggs this week? (laughs) And uh, we'll talk about it and say, okay... Is this, is this the new price, or is this the price this week, and then it's going to return to what we think of as normal, right? Is it, is it going to return to normal next week? Is it going to return to normal next month? Should we wait on buying things, or should we buy them uh, now because this is the new price, and they may even go up from here? And, and, and it just causes you to look at the value of things and say, okay, how do I know if this is a good deal or not? How do I know if this is a good deal or not? How do I know if this is something that I should buy right now or not buy right now? Sometimes it's very difficult to tell. At other times, you come across something and you go, whoa, this is such a good deal, I cannot pass this up. I I cannot, I can't pass up this opportunity. And today, Jesus is going to tell us a couple of stories about the kingdom of heaven to describe for us the kind of opportunity that we have with the kingdom of heaven and the kind of deal that we get there. And so if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, and we'll start in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's sitting in a field. And this guy, we don't know why he's in that field. We don't know if he's a worker. Maybe that's the case. Maybe he's tilling the field because uh, his boss owns the field, the master of the field owns the field, and has sent him out to till the field. And as he's tilling the field, he hits something and goes, well, this needs to get out of the way. And he opens it up and discovers treasure. And discovering the treasure and discovering how much is there, he goes, oh, I have to do something about this. And so he covers it back up and he goes and he sells everything that he owns so that he can purchase that field and the treasure that is contained within it. Because he knows, he sees the value of the treasure in the field and he knows how much money he has. And he goes, if I sell everything, I think I can buy that field. And I know that the field is more valuable than what it appears to be because inside it is more treasure than all the money I have at home. For him, it is a sure deal. We don't know if if it was that kind of a situation. Perhaps he was walking along and he was passing through somebody else's field on his way from, uh, from one town to another or something and stumbles upon it and tur- upturns it and, and finds it there and goes, oh, wow, wow, look at how much treasure is here. I'm gonna, I, I have to do something. About it. I'm going to give up everything so that I can buy this field and get this treasure. He wasn't looking for treasure. He wasn't out searching for it or trying to find it. He just stumbled upon it. But when he saw it, he recognized the value of that treasure and he knew 
He knew this was worth changing his life for. This was worth giving up everything for because he recognized the value of the treasure and that he could not go wrong. This was a can't-miss kind of a deal. This was a I'm-all-in kind of a poker hand, right? Where you're, you're going and you're... You look to me like the people that... This is the illustration that it's really going to hit. But if you're, if you're in, holding a poker hand and you're looking at that royal flush and you say, I... I'm going to win this hand. There is this, I cannot miss on this. I'm going all in. I'm pushing all my chips in. Everything I've got. I am going to go completely broke or completely success on this one hand. I'm going for broke. That's what he does. That's what he does. Because something, some opportunity just popped up in front of him, and there it was. And you know, I think that there are people who are here today, and I know that there are people around the world who this happens with the kingdom of heaven for them. This happens with the kingdom of heaven for them. They are not looking for the kingdom of heaven. They are not searching for it. They were not expecting it. They were walking along, minding their own business, going through life in their own way, and suddenly it came before them and presented itself to them, and they went, oh, this is a life-changing thing for me. This is going to transform my life. Completely unexpected, right? We we, uh, had our second Advent calendar today, and we were talking about those shepherds. Those shepherds had no idea. They were not searching for a Messiah to be born that day. They were not looking around for it. They hadn't been studying the skies, anticipating when he might come, or searching the scriptures and trying to determine what day he might be born. They were just doing their thing. They were just out watching the flocks at night. And suddenly, boom! There's light, there's angels, there's singing, there's rejoicing, and the shepherds are going, uh... Okay, and the angels leave, and the shepherds go, I think this is going to change our lives. I think this is going to change our lives. I don't think our lives are going to be the same after tonight. It was that kind of an experience, and I have talked with people for whom the kingdom of God is that kind of an experience. They were in the depths of the hardest point in their life, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up there. Jesus showed up there. They were not looking for him. They just were experiencing deep need, and Jesus showed up in their deep need. I've seen this happen with people who moved into town and uh, the next door neighbor happened to be somebody who went to, to uh, church and they saw them and said, hey, do you need help moving in? Yeah, I do need help moving in. I, I'm overwhelmed. I've just, we moved from out of state and this is a new house and all the things you know, that are normally associated with the challenges and stresses of moving are here as well as some additional things. And oh, okay, I, I've got some friends. Hang on just a second call up some friends from the church, eight people show up, help them unpack, move them in, everything's done. And the person's going, this is amazing. What, 
what is this? Oh, well, we all go to church together and we were, you know, we heard you needed some help and so here we are. Well, what church do you go to? And then they tell them and they go to church with them the next Sunday and their lives are transformed because of one moment of need and God showed up through his people and their lives are transformed. And Jesus is telling this story to say the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like when you walk through a field and suddenly you stumble upon treasure and you say, this is going to change my life. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, it, it, it's not that it doesn't... Doesn't It's not that it doesn't cost them nothing, right? It, it, it's not that, that there's no cost at all. It does. It cost him everything. It cost him everything to have his life transformed. He just recognized the opportunity, and when it came, he said, okay, this is it. I'm all in on this opportunity. I'm all in on this opportunity. I'm willing to sacrifice everything because I can see what I will gain. Again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now Jesus tells us a different story, a little bit different this time. Now we have a, a merchant, somebody who, who deals in things, probably pearls, Somebody who is out looking for pearls. They are watching for pearls. And they're looking and they're going, oh, that's a nice one. Oh, that's a nice one. That's... And then they come across that one and they go, oh, I have to have this pearl. I have to have this pearl. This is somebody who knows what they're looking for. And they know when they find what they found. When I was younger, uh, my grandmother would take us antiquing. And to me, going through antique shops was very boring. <laughs> you looked at old things, things that no one would want. But my grandmother was a collector. She was a collector of dishes of a certain type and of a certain pattern. And so she said, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're looking for. And this is how we know if it's a good one. I want you to find these dishes. We're just going to walk through the whole place and we're going to look for these dishes. You're going to find these dishes. They're going to have this pattern on it. It has gold around the rim. That gold should be perfect. There should be no chips. It needs to be perfect. And we are not going to act excited if we find one. Because a lot of the times in these antique shops, the antique shop owner has no idea what they have and what the value of these things are, and we are not going to act excited. And so we would look for dishes, and we would find dishes, and after a while we would find dishes, and my grandma would go, I only want those ones if they are perfect. But the thing that she wanted, and I still remember this, I was like nine years old, and I remember going through that, and the thing that she was really looking for was a big-eared cookie jar. 
That was the thing that she didn't have. She had every other piece in her collection. She was now just upgrading from the mediocre or high quality to the perfect quality on everything else. But the big-eared cookie jar, that was a thing she did not yet have. And so we were looking for that. Here is a pearl hunter. This pearl hunter is looking for pearls. He is looking for pearls because he deals in pearls. He buys pearls, he sells pearls, he knows the value of pearls. And so he's watching for people who don't know what they have. And then he comes across this pearl, and this pearl is of such great value. that, And this guy knows it. He says, I am going to sell everything because I have to have that pearl. I have to have that pearl. He knows what he's looking for. And he knows the value when he sees it, and he's willing to go all in. Now, you can see the difference, right? The difference between the first guy who stumbled across something and just recognized, wow, this is of great value. And maybe that guy would have stumbled across a pearl. Maybe he would have been walking along and stumbled across a pearl and gone, wow, that looks really expensive. I would like one of those. Just because the treasure happens to be valuable and he recognizes that looks very valuable to me. But this guy, the second guy, he's searching and he knows exactly what he's found because he was looking for it. And you know there are people that are looking for the kingdom of God. They don't know exactly what they're looking for. But they're searching, they're hunting For some, they have a spiritual longing within them. They want to be spiritual people and they are hunting for the way that the spirituality of Christ helps them to go, yes, this is the thing that my heart has been longing for. And they might try several different religions before they find the one true God. They might try all kinds of different meditations and things and things that to them are helpful, but then they discover this is the one true God and they have been looking for him and they find him. Some people are looking for wisdom. They're searching for wisdom. It's so interesting to me to to read some of the old Greek philosophers and to go, wow, they just thought of this? They just thought of these things. They just were thinking about the way that the world works and because of the way the world works, who God must be. And so they come up with all of these things and you're reading it and you're going, you are so close, man. You are so close. I mean, it's not quite biblical truth, but it's really close. And I just think, what if they had discovered the gospel? What if they had discovered the kingdom of God and somebody had explained to them, you know, this is what the kingdom of God is. This is what the gift of Jesus is. This is who the true God is and what it means for him to offer his son to come into the world, to offer himself as a sacrifice for his people so that sinful people might be redeemed and be made righteous. I just think if somebody had presented it like that, would they have looked at it and gone, this is it. I have been thinking and thinking and reasoning and arguing with people about what God must be like, and this is it. This is the truth. This is the thing I have been searching for. In Proverbs uh, chapter 2, you know, the the, um, author of Proverbs is writing 
and saying, look, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek for it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's the kind of description that Jesus is giving us with this pearl hunter, that the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like somebody who's hunting for a treasure. Doesn't just stumble upon it, doesn't find it by accident. They, they know what they're looking for and they want to find it and they are hunting for it. He said, it's that kind of a treasure. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And if we think of the, the wise men, Right? The wise men who came from the east who had been studying and watching and they were watching the stars and they were watching and anticipating and saying, wait, there is something happening. There is something incredible happening right now. Someone was just born and that someone is very special. And they dropped everything and traveled a long way away. I mean, those shepherds, they had been out in the field at night somewhere nearby on the hills around. And when the angels came, they went into town to go see if this was true. But these guys, these wise men, these magi, they traveled a long, long way because they had been studying and waiting for the coming of this person that's the anticipation that we have in this moment right now, right? As we're uh, into December, we've now lit two candles. What are we lighting candles for? It's the number of weeks before we get to the celebration of the birth of Jesus. They were expecting it the first time. They were anticipating it the first time. What an incredible advent that would have been. And then they see the signs in the heavens and they say to one another, we must go. Can you imagine that trip? The anticipation as they're talking about it? What do you think it's going to be like? What do you think he's going to be like? What do you think we're going to find when we find him? And then what do they find? He wasn't in the palace. He was born to people of lowly stature. And yet when they found him, they opened up their treasures and they worshiped. They knew what they had found. When those shepherds found him, they left rejoicing because they knew what they had found. This was a life-changing thing. And then Jesus changes and he tells a parable that will sound very similar to one we had a couple of weeks ago. In verse 47, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. 
in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is telling us from the one perspective in the first two stories that for those who recognize it, for those who see the kingdom of heaven and and repent, right? That's what the whole story of Matthew has been up to this point. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you remember that all the way back? John the Baptist preaching that, then Jesus preaching that. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now Jesus is saying, look, I want you to forsake everything because here is the kingdom of heaven and it is worth it. The value of the kingdom of heaven is worth it. That's what he's telling in the first two parables. And in the second parable, he's saying, and for those who find it, for those who give up everything so that they can grasp it and get hold of it, they will be gathered in and accepted. And for those who don't, for those who don't see it, for those who see it but don't recognize it, for those who see it and recognize it but reject it because they don't want to give up everything that they have, they will be cast out. They will not be brought into the kingdom of heaven. The angels will sort them out and say, we have no use for these. We have no use for these. And in verse 51, he says, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. And I said, what? You never understood anything. You disciples never understood anything. How come you don't need him to explain this one? And their response to me is, he finally talked about fishing. He's finally speaking in terms we understand. We know what it's like to go out in the boat. We know what it's like to throw the net down. We know what it's like to gather in the fish. We know what it's like to sit down and sort through the fish and go, this is a good one. It has market value. This one is worthless. We know what that is like. We understand this story. We understand this story. We didn't understand gardens, we didn't understand baking, but fishing, we get it. We get it. Jesus is offering an invitation. For some, they are already beginning to see what Jesus is doing. They are already beginning to see who Jesus is. They're hearing him teach. They're hearing him explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. They're hearing him unlock the Old Testament scriptures and explaining that they are now being fulfilled in him. They are beginning to see it. And Jesus is going, okay, for those of you who are seeing it, now accept it. Now accept it. Because if you don't, there will only be rejection. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Okay. I have been 
teaching you and you understand these things and therefore, therefore, Every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven, everybody who I have been teaching to read and understand the scriptures and transcribe them, to understand the words of God, everyone like that is like a master of a house who goes into his treasures and draws out from them things that are new and things that are old. Well, he's just talked about these two people who were uh, finding treasures the, the kingdom of heaven, the, these two people that are finding treasures, the one hidden in a field and the other a pearl of, of great value. And he says, and when you go into your treasure, if you understand what the kingdom of heaven is like, and if you are listening to my words so that you can go back and study the scriptures and see what is there, then what you're going to find is that as you go into your treasures, you're going to bring things out that are new, and you're going to bring things out that are very old. Because what Jesus is doing is Jesus is not saying, here's a thing that is brand new that has never been heard before in the world. What Jesus is doing is Jesus is saying, I am explaining what has been from the very beginning. This has been from the very beginning. And if you understand what God was doing from the very beginning, you will see that it is now being fulfilled. You see, these things are not new. They're not new today. They're not new in the time of Jesus. They are very, very old. The wisdom there that is found in the Proverbs, the wisdom that is found in the Old Testament, in the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses, the stories, if you want to go further back to Noah and to Adam, these, these stories are very, very old. This treasure is rooted there. And at the same time, it is becoming brand new. It is a very new treasure. Because Jesus is now fulfilling all of those Old Testament prophecies. All of those Old Testament expectations. All of the Old Testament laws and requirements. Jesus is fulfilling all of those things. And so when they are hearing the words of Jesus and he's explaining to them, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, what he's saying is, this is very, very old. This should come as no surprise to you at all. You have been hearing this since you were very, very small because your fathers taught it to you, your grandfathers taught it to them, your great-grandfathers taught it to them. It has gone back for generations and generations and generations. And so this should come as no surprise at all to you. It is, this wisdom is very old. And at the same time, if you recall the promises the, of the new covenant in Jeremiah, then what you recognize is that there is a brand new work being done. It is in fulfillment of the things that are very old. But it is in a way that has been not seen before. Because at this time, we have Jesus. Before you had other saviors, you had uh, uh, God saving Israel through David or through Samson or through other people, but now God himself is taking on flesh. God is now becoming Emmanuel, that is, God who is with us. 
He is taking on flesh. He becomes the child who grows to be a man. And he is the one who is there, who is ushering in a new kingdom, not a physical kingdom, not a physical territory with boundaries and armies and things to protect it, but a spiritual kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, which is why he says, my, my kingdom is not of this realm. My kingdom is of a different realm. My kingdom is a heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. I'm, I'm not concerned about throwing out the Romans here. I'm not concerned about the boundaries of Israel. I'm not concerned about the physical people here as far as their nationality goes. What I'm bringing in is something brand new. I am bringing in a heavenly kingdom. And this kingdom is going to be for all people everywhere. You see, in some ways this is very old and in other ways it is brand new. So radical, in fact, that many people rejected it. Seeing Jesus, hearing Jesus teach, seeing the miracles that they were doing, they were going, wait, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the one that we have been waiting for? Could this be the Redeemer, the Savior? Could he be the one that we have been waiting for? Oh, no. No, no. If he were going to be the Messiah, if he were going to be the great king to take over after David, then he would have a military. We would see him riding into town with his army to take over, and this is not that. Oh, that's very disappointing because we saw so much potential in him. Oh, listen to the way that he talks about things and is getting all these people to follow after him. What is he doing? Why would people follow him? We really must get rid of this man. He is leading the people astray. But there are others. There are others whose lives are being transformed by Jesus. There are others who are being touched and at the touch of Jesus are being healed and their lives can never be the same after a touch from Jesus. There are others who are hearing the words, the teaching of Jesus and they are hearing it and they are responding and their lives will never be the same because they have understood the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus is going to do something that for us is a miracle. Because we remember from those treasures of old things like Psalm 49, where it says, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and could never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. Because of sin in the world, there is no price that we could pay to get eternal life. When you talk with people who are afraid of death, and you talk about the possibility of eternal life, can that be? I would pay anything for that. I would give anything for that. 
But as the psalm says, we know it's not real. You can't do that. You can't pay. You, no one has the resources that they can pay for eternal life. There are very, very wealthy people who can pay a lot of money to preserve this pathetic life for a little longer. And you can spend a lot of money to preserve this pathetic life for a little longer. But to purchase eternal life? No one has the resources to pay for that. No one can afford that. No one can even offer their life on behalf of someone else to ransom their life to give them eternal life. It can't be done. Except through Jesus. Because Jesus, while walking in the flesh like us, is not exactly like us. This is God in the flesh. So that in Romans chapter 3, it says in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. That is, this is apart from the Old Testament scriptures, even though the Old Testament scriptures are telling us in anticipation about it. That is, the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. And now we get to verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And this is the incredible news of the kingdom of heaven. That is, we, we receive eternal life with God. That's what we gain in the kingdom of heaven. And that is something that is so valuable, we could give up everything to receive it, and yet we can't, right? Because it is too costly. And the incredible news of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is this. That God offers this to us as a free gift. He himself bore the price for our sins. He took the price of our sins on himself on the cross. He died in our place and accepted death so that we might inherit eternal life. He paid the ultimate price. He gave up everything for us. So as we anticipate the coming of Jesus in Christmas, we know the end of the story, right? That Jesus will eventually grow to be a man, not just stay as a tiny baby, but grow to be a man 
and then die on the cross for our sins. And so it is even while we are anticipating the coming of Christmas that we get to celebrate communion together this morning. And we get to remember that this treasure, this treasure that is the kingdom of heaven, is so great we could never afford it, but Jesus has paid the price so that we might freely receive it. And it's going to cost you everything because it's going to turn your life upside down. Your life cannot be the same with Jesus as it was without Jesus. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. We must not be like those people who want to just add it on. I'm going to live my life and then, ooh, the eternal life thing, that sounds nice. Yeah, okay, can you add that onto my cart? Yeah, I'd like that at checkout also, please. So that's a big screen TV, 20-pound turkey, nice Christmas ham, some mashed potatoes, and uh, one eternal life, please. Jesus is going to pay for that part. We, we can't just live our life as normal and just add Jesus on. It's going to change everything. But it is very worth it.